Alright, so we have a guest this week. We haven't had a guest in a while, enough. You want to introduce our guest? I mean, we had a guest last week, uh, but the episode hasn't, oh. hasn't, it hasn't, hasn't dropped yet, so... Um... Yeah, just got to look out for that one. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. Well, we have uh, Mitch. Uh, I met Mitch at Nationals this year. Uh, I met him through Zaw. I think, are you guys close friends? Um, yeah, yeah. So I met Zaw kind of through my, my buddy Daniel, who goes to the, the gym I lift at, and then... Uh, through him, uh, yeah, met Zaw, and then met him first at the meet I qualified for for nationals with. Uh, we were both both competing at that meet, and then got to know him more and stuff. And I've lifted at uh, his brother's garage sometimes too. When when did you that do that meet? Like, was it a recent meet? Uh, that would have been last March. Oh, okay. uh, yeah, that was the qualifying. That was the one where I got the qualifying total, and then. Yeah, then uh, train with him a few times uh, before that, leading up to, to nationals. So you're from North Carolina? Yeah, yeah. I've been yeah. in North Carolina like the past five years-ish. Gotcha. You've been, was this, uh, like how many meets have you done? Like we haven't talked about your lifting before. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think I've done oof, eight maybe. Oh, okay. Uh, That's yeah. quite a bit, yeah. Like which, I started... one, which one is your most notable one that you've done? Oh, I think probably the the qualifying one. Yeah, that that March meet was my favorite because nationals was weird. I was like super sick, uh, like two weeks before, and then I had a conference for for work like in San Diego, like the week before nationals. So I didn't I didn't train because I was sick, and then I didn't train because I was just busy at the conference. So then, yeah, nationals was just a train wreck. But uh, yeah, the the meet before that was really good. Nice. So I guess. Um starting off like how did you i guess first start off with powerlifting and like your first initial meet oh yeah so i did my my undergrad degree at iowa state um and they had like a like a powerlifting weightlifting club there and uh that was where i first sort of got involved with it like uh, one of my like co-workers i worked at the gym and one of my co-workers there was was big into the club and introduced me to that like probably my like sophomore year of college and then uh like before then i was just like sort of lifting like for fun but it really have like a set like powerlifting structure to it or anything uh but then got to know more people in the club there and um started getting into the whole powerlifting and i think like the uh probably a semester or two later i did my uh did my first meet um i was like in the what like 132 pound class uh, whatever that is in kilos um for my first meet and then just slowly like worked my way up from there over the years uh but yeah that's kind of kind of how i got my start there and then um, the club was super cool. It was all like kind of hand-me-down equipment from the rec center. But then mm-hmm. uh, in my time there, we uh, we got more funding. And eventually by the end of it, we had like, you know, I think two or three like uh, like competition style, like uh, power racks and all of that. And some nice um, Ohio bars. And I think they've added even more since I, since I left there. Um, yes. But it was a really cool environment to sort of uh, support the uh, involvement in, in powerlifting. Yeah. I see like you've done one equipped meet and you've done, I mean, at least like from the USAPL side, like you've done like five, uh, raw meets and one equipped meet. 
like was were you at the beginning an equip lifter as well like or did you start off raw no no so honestly that's just like a fluke i think i signed up for the wrong one (laughs) (laughs) did you use equipment no, no, I didn't. Oh. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you didn't equip me, bra. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I always see that. Like, I look back and I'm like, wait, no, no, no I because I've never, yeah, I've, I've used wraps probably twice, like in uh, my life. <laughs> well, that's funny. Yeah. Um, so you you've uh, you've done a few meets and you've uh, you've done a couple at 83. Now, like you're back at 75. Yeah. Uh, it seems like you've had like some like pretty decent numbers. Like your your deadlift like also like looks pretty strong at eighty three. Um, like has has your numbers kind of get get affected like after you drop some weight? Yeah, I was uh, I was surprised actually that my my squat stayed about where it was. My my deadlift tended to go down the the most when I went from from the eighty three to to the seventy five. And I don't know if it was like just like a change in leverages or or what. Uh, but I also had sort of a like a little uh, little like hamstring injury when I when I did drop down that didn't seem to affect my my squat too much, but but definitely definitely noticed it in the in the deadlift. Um, yeah. So I think that probably pl- played a role. Just that combined with with the cutting into into that new weight class um, dropped that down a bit. So I've been trying to get back up to you know like the the mid or low uh, low six hundred range at this weight class, but. Haven't quite made it back yet. I mean, if, if never if you've never seen Mitch deadlift, like you have like one of the best leverages for deadlifts. Like you're actually <laughs> built really well to deadlift. Uh, but I'm I'm sure your 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 schedule is pretty busy now with. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. That was me. Like, uh, oh, okay. oh my bad. I thought I thought you cut off. Like, I, 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 no. I, I panicked a little bit. Yeah. So you finished your undergrad. Uh, was it in like exercise science? Like, what was it in? Yeah. So it was like a combined degree in nutrition and exercise science. Mm-hmm. And now you're doing your PhD in. Uh, yeah. Just tell yeah. us about background, like, of what you're doing now in the, in your school. Yeah, sure. sure. So I did my my undergrad and master's both at Iowa State. They were it was like a combined bachelor's master's degree in uh, nutrition and and exercise science. And then from there, I did uh, an internship at a hospital to become a, a registered dietitian. Uh, mm-hmm. So I did that for a year, and then uh, I came here to North Carolina to do my PhD in exercise physiology. And so with that, sort of my focus here and my research and my dissertation that I'm doing now is focused on, uh, on hydration. Um, the main, main parts of that being uh, looking more at like hydration from a health perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so seeing how does uh, habitual fluid intake or water intake, how does it influence hormones? How does that influence um, metabolic health, metab- uh, overall metabolism? Um, and then how does the, how do those changes then influence some other health behaviors too? Um, is sort of the main main focus of my research. Um, but I've also done some work like for my master's, looking more at uh, at hydration from like a performance uh, perspective. Um, so with that, I've done um, I did a study for for my master's thesis looking at de- dehydration affecting uh, bench press performance actually, and then um, I tested rehydration with a sports drink compared to water to see 
um, within a certain time frame. How um, is that any any better for uh, recovering bench press performance? Mm-hmm. What what were the results? Uh, so actually, for my masters, there was there was no difference between the the water and the the sports drink that I tested. Um, which, uh, you know, could be, could be a number of factors too. could be, uh, just the, um, the, the way we dehydrated them too. So we used, um, because at the time there wasn't really anything published yet on the, like the water loading that, that people will typically just anecdotally use now in like powerlifting. Um, so I didn't use that sort of protocol. I just used a, uh, a sauna type protocol for that. Um, but also with some exercise, um, along with that, just low intensity, uh, cycling, um, in the heat, uh, to, to get, uh, about 4% dehydration. But, um, yeah, so they, like they could have just been more fatigued from, from that in itself too. Um, so that could be a reason why. Um, but yeah. So, and said, yeah, there was no effect on their bench press performance at all. That's interesting. Well, cool. sorry. When they were dehydrated, they did have an effect. There was no difference between, between the drinks. All the um, drinks, okay, okay. Yeah, so when they were dehydrated, I think it was it was a, like around three, maybe a little bit higher than three um, percent. Okay. They they did see bench press went down by about about six percent. So like it was that's, probably, a, that's a sizable amount. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I guess well, th- this is kind of interesting since you said like there is like there were some limitations. Um, and like you see this knock nowadays, like people kind of look at research and like you look at, they look at a paper. It's like, oh, well, this paper says if you're, if you rehydrate with water, it's the same. Uh, but like, obviously like there's more, like more to go into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, w- what are like the factors you kind of look into? Cause like now I'm pretty sure like you have to read a lot of research. Um, mm-hmm. What what are the limitations you think or like of research nowadays? Um, or what are the things that like, you would look at? Like if you're actually trying to get some, uh, if you're trying to get some good data out of like the research, um, what are the things you kind of look at and like, what are the things you kind of like the red flags or things you kind of watch out for? Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Like any sort of, um, like, like blanket, like, like cause and effect type statement that doesn't really have the, the design to back it up. Um, so, you know, if you're taking just a, a cross-sectional look at, you know, what, uh, like what people, whether it's like, could use performance as an example, just cross-sectionally to see, okay, this is, you know, what, what someone's doing. And then this is how their performance is like, you know, correlation doesn't equal causation unless you, um, unless you actually design an experiment and manipulate it to, to determine that. But people might, might show like, okay, this person or these groups of people that tend to perform better tend to, to drink this certain kind of drink or hydrate this certain amount. Um, and they tend to do better. Um, that's a good first step to like, see, okay, there, there seems to be a relationship, but then to actually, uh, determine cause and effect, you want to, you want to actually then manipulate that, take those people who are, who are doing that, make them not do that. See, okay, does that affect their performance? Take a group that hasn't done that, um, introduce whatever, whatever, um, intervention, um, you're testing and then see, okay, does that have an effect? And, and also make sure that you, uh, you randomize the process as well and try to, uh, try to avoid any confounding factors like, um, that, that would bias it. like if they, and, and hydration in particular, like, um, is notorious. Like if you, if you know that, or have heard that, 
you're you're supposed to be worse because if, if you're dehydrated or you think the opposite, like the more you hydrate, the better you're going to do. There's there's a sort of like placebo effect as well, or could be where if you you expect yourself to to do better one way or another, that in and of itself could could influence the results beyond just like whatever you're whatever you're testing. Um, so that's another one that's that's hard to hard to work out in a, in a design, but definitely something to consider also. Yeah, because like I know, like with uh, like research, pe- people try to look try to look at research and can uh, use it for powerlifting. But most mm-hmm. of the research done, like correct me if I'm wrong, like none of it is done on high level powerlifters. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like the people participating are either kind of like new to lifting, so they would kind of respond to anything. Um, I mean that's that's not that's not specific to hydration, but if we're talking kind of like more like strength training and kind of like response to like how does this person respond to, or how does this group respond to uh, like high volume versus low volume or high rep versus low rep. And like, if the, if the group, like if the participants are novices or they're not high level lifters, like you get mm-hmm. kind of skewed data that everyone responds well to like, every, like they both responded well to high volume and low volume or the high rep or low rep. Uh, so I guess like that will be like another thing to look at is like, who is this uh, research done on, mm-hmm. right? Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So like, have you seen any, uh, like from your, what, what kind of research do you primarily look at? Like, is it just, just hydration or like, do you kind of look into other, uh, like other stuff as well? Oh yeah, no, I've, I definitely like, uh, especially when I was doing my master's was big into like the, the strength, uh, uh, research as well. So like, yeah, I think that's a, that's a huge one where, yeah. It, and it, and then varies too, depending on like what study you read, like how they define their, their training status of their participants too. Like, mm-hmm. um, there'll be some where they'll, they'll call them trained, but then, you know, their bench press is in order to qualify as trained was like 1.2 times body weight, which you know, like, yeah, is more trained than like, you know, your average person. But like, if we're, if we're using that or trying to equate that to like high level lifters, not necessarily the the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, that, I think that's an important point, but any, yeah, any, any other, like, uh, like I, I read a lot of like nutrition, like supplementation type studies too. And same kind of thing. Like if, um, or even in like, uh, like the caffeine literature too. Like if someone's uh, normally normally consumes a lot of caffeine, that's something that's often often lost when they um, when they when they test like a, a caffeine product. Um, mm-hmm. You could have responders just from from someone not being used to caffeine, and then someone who's you know has it all the time, and then yeah, that's that's going to affect uh, affect things as well. And like that's not all cited in the research, right? Like the only site, uh, like what are like the information they kind of give you? Like do they tell you? Um, do they give you more context uh, or like background of these like people participating or do they kind of just give you uh, those are trained individuals um, and like the the criteria is whatever 1.2 body weight squat uh, or do they kind of give you a little bit more background? Yeah, so I, ideally we would have more, but usually like you'll you'll have your your methods section or your yeah and within that you'll have your description of your participants and they're they're usually limited by just like word count for the the articles too, to to how much they can include whether or not they they actually could include uh more detail or not i mean sometimes you'll have like a a supplementary file where you can add additional information but 
uh, for the most part, uh, yeah, it'll usually be a set set sort of a couple couple criteria that okay, if they meet, then uh, they can participate. But um, but there are some studies where you can get uh, more more in depth, like like training information from them. Um, I have some friends who are more into like uh, like the endurance exercise um, literature and they'll, they'll have people, uh, track their, track their exercise with, um, like Strava and things like that, and actually incorporate it into their, their training volume, um, metrics for their participants, um, which is cool, but I don't think I've, I've seen as much of that in sort of the, the strength literature. Gotcha. I guess we'll, uh, I guess we'll jump into the topic, uh, cause like a lot of people, um, now, like nowadays, like for powerlifting means, especially like in the USAPL. Most mm-hmm. people do some type of a, of a cut into the meat. Yeah. Um, and like, it depends. Like some people cut um, like higher percentage. Maybe some people cut like 5% or more. Some people mm-hmm. kind of stay under like under 4%. Um, and there's like a few methods. Uh, like, you know, like there's, I guess like in the old method used to be uh, like a water cut combined mm-hmm. with glycogen depletion. Um, mm-hmm. Like they would kind of cut their carbs uh, kind of load water at the beginning, um, mm-hmm. then cut the water like at the end, oh, like a one or like one day out, and cut the sodium as well. And like a few mm-hmm. days out, they would start cutting the carbs, maybe fifty percent carbs. Three days out, twenty five percent carbs. Two days out, and like one day out, they try to get the least amount. Um, so like that was like the old method, and like now people are kind of using uh, like food volume manipulation, um, yeah, or like like a gut cut, kind of just eat a uh, lower volume, less, uh, more dense foods to kind of, uh, have less, uh, less dead weight in your, like in your stomach. Um, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, those are like the, the two methods. And I, I don't know like, if the hydration, well, hydration is definitely more involved with the first method, like with the water cut. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like most like recently, more more commonly it's been used like the gut cut has been com like most most common um so i guess like for what's what's like the main difference like between the two cuts and like which one would you would you recommend mm-hmm. yeah uh so like you mentioned yeah definitely with the with the first method you're at you know more risk of that that higher level of of dehydration um which could affect uh, could affect performance um, for strength sports, it's not, um, it doesn't have as much of an impact as, as say like your endurance events, definitely in like your running, cycling, things like that. We know that, uh, for the most part, once you get above like 2% dehydration performance tends to, tends to suffer. Um, it's, it's less clear for strength, but it, there, there can be sort of a, uh, like an increased RPE effect that could affect, um, could affect, uh, just performance and, and psychological performance too just if you if you feel like shit from from being dehydrated mm-hmm. um but as compared to the second method definitely i like uh more the idea of of reducing that um like like you called it sort of that dead weight in your stomach um it's not really providing any any energy it's more often than not it's going to be fiber from uh you know fruits and vegetables and things like that that um is is sort of taking up that that extra weight um, so if you were to uh, sort of reduce that, um, uh, that, that those fibrous foods um, leading into a meat but, and switch those out for more, more energy dense, lower volume type foods, um, you'd still get the energy um, that you can use for, for the meat. 
Um, Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, you'd be reducing that body weight um, just by, by uh, less, less volume in your stomach. And then depending how you do it, if you, um, you know, if you don't, don't do any sort of like dehydration protocol along with that, you could still uh, lose a, lose a considerable amount of, of weight just from doing that um, without having to worry about any, um, any sort of effect on, from a hydration perspective too. Um, so I definitely think the, the gut cut approach is, is great and uh, less likely to, to lead to any sort of uh, performance decline. Yeah. And like, I guess like, like those, those are talked about a lot, like the gut cut. I know like uh, Steve, um, Steve has done like a video over it. Mm-hmm. Like there's like there's a lot of videos over gut uh, over water cutting, uh, but I haven't seen a lot of videos on uh, like midday rehydration and kind of like what to do after mm-hmm. you cut the weight. Like everyone kind of just mainly tell you, oh, if you if you you're trying to lose X amount of weight, that's what you do. Uh, but the process afterwards, which I think matters more, uh, yeah. Like after like after you cut that weight, what are you gonna do? Because uh, like most people are gonna cut the weight, show up to the meet. Like weigh in, then they kind of slack off with the uh, you want to call it a like rehydration or recomp process. Oh, well, yeah, the recomp. Yeah, mm-hmm. like right. what is the ideal, I guess, ratio if there was one that you would do for like recomping weight. If you did have to do, let's say, like a gut cut or like a water cut, like mm-hmm. how would you go about that? And is it different yeah. also? Is it different from like uh like the first method, like a water cut method, versus like a a gut cut method? Like, w- yeah. w- would the rehydration or the recomp be different? Yeah, no, those are those are great questions. I, and I think you know, there's there's definitely you know it, it, lots of individual factors to to be considered there. But I think um, the uh, the main difference, uh, between the, between the methods, like the, the first one, definitely the, uh, the rehydration component is going to be much more important. Whereas with the, the, the gut com- cut component, uh, you probably won't need to, to rehydrate as much. It'll probably be similar to, uh, to normal, normal hydration that you would do before, like a, like a hard training session. You won't really have much additional that you need to make up just from, uh, from having a, a less food uh, volume per se in your stomach, um, whereas the the first method you would ideally you would uh, you'd, you'd be closely monitoring where you where you started before you did any sort of water manipulation, and then you would try to get back as as close as you could to sort of that um, that that starting point. Um, but the caveat there is that you need to uh, you need to consider okay when you when you actually begin the cut to okay what's your uh, what's your starting hydration status to, uh, which most people actually actually don't know, and it's it's no fault of theirs. Actually, knowing someone's like initial hydration status is is actually pretty challenging. There's no real single single best way to measure hydration status. Mm-hmm. Um, even from like a like a spot urine sample, um, that can be influenced by like immediate uh, immediate fluid intake um, uh, right before giving the sample if it's um, if it's, uh, if it's too high of a volume, it can actually, uh, dilute the urine sample beyond what your actual like whole body hydration status is. Um, so things like that. Um, but if you get someone's, uh, the, the kind of the approach we take in, like in our lab is, is we'll do like, uh, repeated measures over, over a couple of days, get someone's body weight, get someone's, uh, 24 hour urine, um, which, you know, isn't always like feasible, just like in the real world. Um, yeah. 
but uh, get that and then um, get their their morning thirst as well. So if someone's uh, trending towards their their thirstier and their their body weight's lower and their um, their urine volume is lower, then we tend to to think they're uh, less hydrated. Um, or we can also look at their morning urine color if it's if it's darker, then they're they're uh, they're less hydrated. Gotcha. Um, so I mean, like, I guess like the most uh, practical thing to kind of like the practical data point to track is like body weight for most people. And I, I guess like a visual uh, look at like what, like, like you said, like is like your urine darker, uh, mm-hmm. a little bit lighter. Like is like with that, that, that would be another thing to look at. But most of the time, I guess people track body weight. Uh, mm-hmm. Would that be like enough of a, uh, like, yeah, like would body weight be enough to kind of, for someone to kind of look at like, okay, like I was, 170 pounds um, the Monday before the meet. My goal is to be about 170, 172 after uh, my recomp. Like, would that be mm-hmm. something? Uh, I guess, like, for most people, what would you recommend for, like, your average powerlifter? Yeah, I try to use, like, a combination of body weight and maybe that urine color. Um, just because with body weight, too, um, if you if you were to change sort of that, the type of foods you're consuming then too, just like after your weigh-ins and if they were like higher volume foods as compared to when you cut out the higher volume foods too, um, that might add, uh, that, that would add weight that wasn't, um, wasn't accounted for by just your, your body weight change during the cut. Um, that's, that's if you change like the, the volume of your food. If you, if you keep the, the food, the foods, the same you were eating before though, um, then your body weight should be, should be, uh, a pretty good indicator of, of the, that fluid loss. Um, assuming that you're not cutting calories leading into the meat. Um, and that's, that's important to, to clarify there too. Like if you, if you are, um, you know, dropping calories for whatever reason, which, which I wouldn't recommend, you know, immediately, uh, prior to a, to a meet, do that, do that, uh, you know, earlier in the, in the prep. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if someone was doing that, then, then you might see some, some body weight loss. That's not, uh, not only, uh, from that water loss. Yeah. Well, I guess like would also like, you know, there is no, uh, there's no like, um, hydration, like you don't get dehydrated doing a gut cut at all. Like even with, um, cause like you're eating different foods and like food also provides like some, like food provides hydration as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, so you definitely um, you'll get uh, some some hydration from like your your fruits and vegetables and things like that. Um, definitely, they're they're primarily water. Um, so you could lose uh, some uh, from that um, if you weren't um, yeah if you weren't compensating by by like increasing fluid intake to make up for that. Um, it wouldn't be a huge amount. Um, it it's not um, uh, like majority of your of of most people's fluid intake or, or yeah, total water intake will come from like the fluids they drink. Uh, but yeah, that, no, that's a, that's a great point that, yeah, you, you could lose some, uh, just from that. So maybe you, maybe you could, uh, uh, rehydrate a little bit more. Um, if you, uh, if you're someone who, uh, who eats, eats a lot of fruits and vegetables pretty frequently and then, um, and then cut that out. Yeah. Well, I guess like, let's go like in a, spe- well, like a specific, uh, example, like, let's say, We'll take like me, for example, like sure. I walk around 172 pounds and mm-hmm. I cut down to 165, like for me okay. day. 
Uh, so seven pounds, which is, I don't know, like that's like three and a half percent or something like that. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So seven pounds, I use a gut cut uh, and maybe some also like uh, like some sodium manipulation, like the last two days where like my sodium is a little bit lower. So I am uh, losing some some water as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I make weight through that. Like and I'm not cutting calories. I'm keeping my uh, my calories about the same, but they're coming from primarily uh, nuts um, like almonds, pistachios, uh, protein shakes, and mm-hmm. maybe some like high dense uh, foods, like maybe like chocolates, ice creams. Um, sure. But yeah, so those are like the foods I'm intaking, and like the so- like the sodium, like I said, is a little bit lower in the last two days, and like I make weight that way. Uh, so like I make so I walk in, I walk in on midday, step on the scale, like one sixty four and a half. Mm-hmm. What I do? From, what What do I do from there? Sure. So, yeah. So you lost about what that like like seven seven ish pounds or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so ideally, so it's 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 definitely hard with the two hour weigh-ins. Um, but I, ideally, to get back to sort of that that starting hydration um, status, what we normally recommend is is a at least at least a hundred percent of of what you lost. Um, so in this case. Um, uh, you take your your seven pounds and uh, convert that to uh, to kilograms, and that would be about um, how much you would then um, have in in liters um, uh, liters of fluid. Gotcha. Um, okay. Ooh. And uh, really, what we w- we would do is is have a little bit more than that because because of the short time frame. Um, if you want to get back to that uh, that full. Uh, restore all of that all of that loss really what you want to do is have have a little bit more than that because uh when you when you consume that large uh that large amount of fluid in, in sort of that shorter time frame uh you will be peeing out a lot um so that sort of extra is to account for that um because you'll just from consuming uh, more fluid at at a short period of time than your than your kidneys can handle you will you will excrete a little bit more than actually you, you take in yeah. um so is, is the process a little bit different? Like, would you do like, uh, what's like the first step? Like, would you eat food and what type of food would you eat? Um, and like how much food would you intake at the beginning? Or would you just oh, go straight? Would you go straight yeah. to the water? Straight to prioritize like, hydration first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. That's, I, I'd probably hydra- prioritize the hydration first um, because you're going to want to get, uh, get that all, all back, back to normal as soon as you can. Uh, but also like along with that too, you know, your, your hydration could have, have some, uh, some calories in it as well. Like your, some carbohydrates to, uh, support the absorption, uh, of the fluid as well. Um, and, uh, some sodium, sodium along with that too, to, to also, uh, encourage both the carbohydrate absorption and the, and the fluid absorption there too. Um, so kind of starting out with that, um, and then, um, the next step would be to, to sort of introduce the foods, um, which, um, which ideally you would, uh, you would know the foods that you tend to tend to sit, sit best, like in your stomach pre-training and, and try to try to stay as close to that as, as you normally would, um, just with that added, uh, sort of rehydration component along with it. So So would you, would you add like, 
you were saying like you would add carbohydrates and sodium to your rehydration. Is there like uh, an average amount that you would do or is this dependent per lifter? Yeah, so this would this would kind of be dependent per lifter, you know, especially if um if someone did uh did do more of that that sodium manipulation uh then to where they were um to where they were losing more more sodium as well compared to sort of their their starting point, then they might want to introduce um or not introduce but uh bring back a little bit more sodium to kind of account for that. Um whereas if they're not they're just going to have like you know, normal sodium intake and didn't, didn't really do much, then maybe they don't need to, to go as high in the sodium, but sodium can, um, can help with the, the rehydration process. Okay. Yeah. Cause, um, I've done a few cuts, um, and usually like I have, I have trouble, um, drinking like a lot, like I have trouble drinking like seven pounds worth of fluids. Yeah. On, on an empty stomach because like usually like after the gut cut like after like also like the last day you're not eating much you cut like you cut uh your food intake about like 15 hours out or so um yeah. so like like your your stomach has like shrunk down uh like it's oh, yeah. kind of yeah it, it was it's i found it a little bit more uh, uh like it makes it easier for me to um drink and eat and like yeah drink more if i have some type of uh like food base like at the start mm-hmm. uh, like like if i eat like what i usually do like i would just eat like some rice some bananas before i start uh like my rehydration process like it's it's not a lot of food maybe it's like a like half a pound like maybe a pound worth of food mm-hmm. uh, so like it's not like it's not yeah it's not a big meal it's not super calorie dense uh, but it gives me like some type of like a base to uh, like it allows me to drink more uh, afterwards. Obviously, like you want to get the hydration in first, but like having do you think like having like this base at the at the start will kind of help you uh, like drink the amount you need to drink without feeling like you're going to throw up? Yeah, no, I think uh, I think that uh, that could definitely help, um, you know, especially if. Um, you know, if it, if it's going to encourage encourage drinking more, than for sure, especially with those kind of foods you mentioned, those are pretty pretty easy to digest. Um, so yeah, sticking to something like that that you know you get your carbs in there too, and it's 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 uh, you know like your rice and your your bananas, those are those are pretty easy to digest. And even with the you know the bananas too, you're getting some electrolytes from that as well. Um, so that uh, that that wouldn't be a bad idea too to to kind of both encourage that that fluid, uh, fluid intake and then, um, support like your, your energy intake to, to help, uh, help get ready for, for the competition too. Are, are those the foods you would recommend or like, was, is it more kind of general, uh, like whatever you can, you feel like eating or cause like some people kind of, they, they go in, it's like, Oh, like you just eat whatever you like to eat. But people are bringing in like fried chicken. People are f- like bringing in, <laughs> it's like, maybe, yeah. you shouldn't bring, maybe it's not preference. Like, uh, it's not all preference. Like there's like some foods that are a little there's bit more optimal. Science, yeah. There's yeah. some science behind it. Yeah. Yeah. No, in general, like, uh, you know, the, the closer you, the closer you are to competition, the more you want to stay away from, you know, those, like those fried, like higher fat foods, um, that'll, that'll take longer to digest. And you don't want to, your body to be focused on digesting when you're, you know, about to, you know, do a heavy spot. Um, you want to have that all, all good and, and ready to, to be used for energy. So yeah, sticking to more of those, 
those those simpler carbs like your rice, your bananas, uh, bagels are like a favorite of mine. Um, you know, crackers, pretzels, things like that that will give you the carbs, give you the sodium. Um, you can have some uh, have some protein too, but like the closer you closer you get, um, so like by the time you're like an hour outish, try to try to reduce that um, mm-hmm. and stick to mainly the carbs. Yeah, so those like mainly like what you uh, things like they're simple carbs, like carb dense, uh, have some sodium in them, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, like maybe um, yeah, like like the rice, um, bagels, bananas, but there nothing. Uh, like there's no food, like secret food you would kind of prescribe to someone. Like there isn't anything. It's that simple. As long as you kind of eat things that are obviously like low fat, not fried, carb dense, yeah. like that's, that's basically dense, it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah or, and I would like, I would test it too. Like, I mean, you know, it, it might not necessarily be the same as, as a meat day if you don't have that. Uh, the cutting component too, but just like, you know, pre like, uh, like you're, could you even do it? Um, you know, when you're, you're working up to like the, just, just text testing your maxes or something in training, mm-hmm. um, you know, try that, try that meal and, and see if it, see how it sits in your stomach and things like that. And if it doesn't sit well, then, you know, pick something else yeah. for sure. Yeah. Cause like for me and like, I guess like for uh, a lot of powerlifters, like they trying to optimize everything, especially, mm-hmm. Uh, especially like after some like the the recon process is like so huge like on mm-hmm. day like it, it plays like a big factor in your performance uh, oh yeah so so people want to kind of optimize every step of the way uh, mm-hmm. so like for me like if i know eating bananas will be uh will give me a little bit of an advantage um instead of eating bagels or rice like i would eat the bananas but yeah there isn't the, but there isn't uh like bananas don't really digest any faster, right? Like, or um, like, what would you look at if you're trying to like super optimize this process? Yeah, I mean, you could. Uh, yeah, I mean, you could compare like uh, the like the I guess the glycemic index of of the foods, um, which would be like like I guess how, how quickly they digest, sort of, and, and raise your blood sugar and things like that. But even then, like, I don't think, um, I don't think that would necessarily translate, um, like the, the difference between the, uh, the rate of digestion between the foods of, at least if you're eating like sort of all from, from that sort of fast mm-hmm. digesting category, I don't think it'd be enough to, to make a substantial impact on the performance. Gotcha. Um, more so, more so I think the sort of like the, the psychological aspect of, Oh, okay. This, yeah. this is a food I'm familiar with. This is a food I've, I've had before in training. Like my, my body's used to, used to having this sort of food. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's going to be the the bigger advantage as compared to, to, to trying something else. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we established, uh, like the foods you would eat. Um, and as far as like the fluids specifically, um, is there like a ratio of electrolytes you would try to try to get in with this amount of uh those amount of fluids because like i'm trying to get in about six to seven pounds worth of fluids um mm-hmm. before like that's if i don't use the bathroom but if i use the bathroom i'll have to even drink more uh, right like, is there a ratio you would look at like how much sodium are you looking at because uh, like that's also something that's not super clear for everyone mm-hmm. uh, like I've, I've seen a few examples of people either intaking too little um, too much <laughs> And I've seen people intake way too much and like yeah. have 
like the opposite like this they start cramping because they're intaking way too much uh, so i guess like what's that sweet spot like what would you shoot for yeah no absolutely so and yeah unfortunately that's not super clear from like just you know the research in general especially for like the when it comes to rehydration for uh for like cutting weight and things like that um from a uh, like a like an endurance performance uh, nutrition side, usually it's uh, definitely definitely it's always higher in sodium, maybe in like sort of that range of like like four four to one ish for for sodium to potassium, um, but uh, that can vary too depending on on how much sodium uh, a person sweats when they're doing a, an activity like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't really have as good good of guidance for. Um, for like strength athletes and for that, like acute rehydration. Mm-hmm. Um, generally what I, what I'd suggest is, is definitely get one that's, that's going to be higher in the sodium. Um, but like you, you also want to be cautious and uh, yeah, not go, not go too, too crazy high in the sodium, not just keep, keep pumping the sodium too, because then, yeah, that can, can cause issues on the, on the other end of the spectrum too. Yeah. Um, so uh, the, but the advantage of having the sodium too is that actually, uh, because sodium does promote more of that fluid retention, even if you can't quite get up to that that seven uh, seven plus liters of fluid, like the the fluid that you do intake, it'll be more likely to to actually stick around and, and stay hydrating versus um, versus just just peeing it out. Um, yeah, if you if you didn't have that, yeah, because like that's like that's the main main issue you were talking about is like if you're trying to regain this much weight. And like you're intaking that much fluid that fast, um, mm-hmm. you start uh, you start peeing a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are some things you can do to limit like the amount of uh, fluids you're losing. Yeah, fluid loss. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like that's probably through uh, like finding a good ratio of mm-hmm. electrolytes to fluid intake. So like maybe let's say two grams of sodium for every gallon like would that be something you would uh you would shoot for or would you shoot for like seven grams per uh for every gallon of water you're intaking oh man i'd have to do some math on that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh man uh yeah you can take your time i guess we'll um yeah like that because like what, what i usually do like i would like the goal for me to drink a gallon which is like about eight pounds um, mm-hmm. and like that's that's throughout the meat so i try to drink like half a gallon before uh before i start squatting so like that's about four pounds and get let's say 32 ounces of gatorade maybe another 32 32 ounces of pedialyte so like that mm-hmm. equals about eight pounds plus the food that equals nine pounds and if i use the bathroom a couple times uh like i'll sit i'll lose maybe like a couple pounds from that so that's like my seven pounds uh but mm-hmm. I'm I'm not super sure if mm-hmm. the amount of uh, electrolytes I'm intaking is like what I should be intaking because like with mm-hmm. like I take one um, trioral packet which has about I think 1,900 uh, milligrams of sodium, sure uh, maybe like it's 2,500, uh, but it's uh, it's not pure sodium. Um, mm-hmm. So like I think it's like around let's say it's like around two grams. Uh, per packet so like i take that and like that's all that's the only uh uh, trial i take and the rest comes from like the bananas the um, 
Gatorade, the Pedialyte, um, which maybe equals to three and a half grams of sodium. Okay. Yeah. Like, okay. Okay. It's like, would yeah, that, I mean, or should I kind of bump it up a little bit more? Like for someone who's yeah. losing seven pounds. Yeah. So, so when you, when you do that, do you find that you're uh, like when you're close to, or when you've, I guess you've d- determined that you're done, uh, done with like the rehydration process, are you, are you able to kind of, kind of sit back around uh, where you started then before the cut? Yeah. I always aim to um, like make it to like, like the, the body weight I started at. Uh, and like, I know I, I monitor, monitor how, like how many times I use the bathroom and I usually, yeah. Like on me days, I usually don't use a bathroom. Maybe I use a bathroom once or twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like maybe like I would maybe take a piss like once or twice, lose a couple pounds. Uh, but like for the most part, like I retain all of it. Sure. Uh, yeah. And like I don't know like if it's that coming from uh, the the electrolyte intake, like that I'm kind of like, is like, is like maybe the ratio I'm intaking mm-hmm. is, is like, close to what I should be intaking. Um, or I don't know like if I should be, if it should be a little bit higher. So I don't lose that, like those extra two pounds that I'm, uh, maybe, maybe I can find like a more optimal, uh, ratio. So I don't even use a bathroom, not even once. <laughs> Cause like, that would be nice. Like if I don't have to rehydrate another two pounds, like that would be even, even better. Uh, but usually yeah. it works pretty well. Yeah, no, I think, uh, I think that's good, but I think I also like um, even if you uh, even if you aren't necessarily like like a hundred percent back up to um, to the body weight, and maybe you know have to use the bathroom, or whatever, and you know, or like a pound or so off. I think um, I think from a hydration perspective, there like uh, you you do have some some leeway. I think um, like within like a like one to two percent range. Like if you're if you're within that. Um, mm-hmm with your, your rehydration, I think you're, I think you're still good. Um, from, from what they've, um, they've done and I've done and, and everything just looking at dehydration effect on performance, as long as you stay below, um, uh, below about like, like two, two and a half percent, um, or like, like stay within that, get back up to, to within that, mm-hmm. um, from, from in terms of like pure, just fluid losses. Um, I think, uh, I think you should, should still be fine. Yeah. Um, so I don't want to worry worry too much about um, about about that. Um, more so, um, one thing you could uh, could consider is like you know if you do um, have to use the bathroom, whatever, like during the um, the rehydration process, seeing okay, what I guess what like what what color is is your urine? Is it mm-hmm. suggesting that you're um, you're having uh, well? It, it will most likely be very very um, very very light just from the the, the, the larger volume of fluid. Um, mm-hmm. but as you get sort of closer to, to the end or like, uh, even throughout the meat too, um, seeing, okay, like if it's, if it tends to be, to be darker than like, um, or, uh, then, then it might be suggesting that, okay, now you're, now you're actually starting to, to lose a lot more of that excess and maybe, uh, maybe needed more. Um, oh, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So from a hydration standpoint, you actually do have some leeway, like, to maybe like not get a hundred percent. Yeah, when it when it comes to like uh, to your strength uh, sports, um, if we're talking just just purely from that performance perspective, yeah, you uh, like sure sure it would it would be good to um, to rehydrate completely, but actually um, 
it, it probably won't have have much of an effect, um, if any, um, if you if you're still within like that one to two um, two percent um, range. Um, even if you think about like in in uh, like in training too, especially if it's um, like hot in whatever gym too, you're probably like around that um, that sort of percent body mass loss and not even realizing it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's I didn't like, I didn't know that. That that's kind of interesting. So yeah. like that could kind of guide how you um you know what you pick in terms of recomping because mm-hmm. if you have that kind of leeway you know maybe you could prioritize like unless you're talking about eating like another banana or more high glycemic index foods or anything like that if if you have a little bit of leeway in terms of recomping using hydration yeah but I guess like um because like I, I do want to kind of get some like some numbers uh because people want like want to like a reference point like some some like a guideline uh sure uh so like you said that there isn't a clear uh prescription for electrolytes no or for sodium like, i mean like would you say sodium is like is the more most important uh like thing you're looking at or like is it uh like sodium as well i mean potassium like like is there anything anything else you would look at uh, yeah, sodium, potassium would be the, would be the main two. Um, sodium, sodium definitely more so just from that fluid retention aspect. Uh, but potassium also from uh, from sort of an intracellular hydration perspective, mm-hmm. um, and that's definitely not not quite been figured out. I mean, uh, that's kind of what I tried to to look at more like with uh, with my masters, um, seeing okay like maybe if we had like a higher potassium drink, would that affect uh, strength uh, performance better? Um, but I didn't actually directly compare it to like, like a high sodium drink. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, as of now, it seems that, you know, from a, at least from a regaining like fluid perspective, more of that sodium. Um, but it, we always, we always have a balance um, between, uh, between the electrolytes in our body for just to allow for proper uh proper muscle contraction to begin with. So you like, you don't want to, don't ever want to just load up purely on the sodium. Uh-huh. Um, that's why, that's why all of these, uh, um, these different, um, whether it's trioral or, or Gatorade or any of those, that's why they always at least have some ask them to, to try to, uh, account for that. Um, cause if you, if you just do pure sodium, then that's where, yeah, you can run into issues like you're cramping and things like that because you don't oh, have that, yeah. that sort of balance. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Cause in a, yeah, in a trial packet, it has, well, it, it's not pure sodium. It has, uh, like potassium chloride and sodium chloride, um, so the potassium chloride is like fifteen hundred milligrams, and the sodium mm-hmm. chloride is twenty six hundred milligrams. Sure. Uh, I'm not sure like what that translates to uh, potassium and sodium. I know it's mm-hmm. close to like I said, like nineteen hundred uh, uh, sodium, and maybe I don't know, uh, maybe like a gram of potassium. Uh, okay, but yeah. like would like the one to two ratio, like. Uh, uh, of potassium to sodium, sodium. would that be yeah. like a good ratio to look at? Yeah, I mean that seems pretty good. Like, I think for for strength sports, yeah, we could probably get more towards that uh, that like one to two. Whereas um, the the main rationale for for like a higher sodium was has mainly been studied in like your endurance performance. Like Gatorade, uh, lots of studies have been been funded by them looking at more like like soccer and other different 
like more endurance ish mm-hmm. uh, sports, like in the heat and things like that, where you have more more of your sodium sweat losses, awesome. which is why they they tend to promote more of that higher sodium content. Uh-huh. But for for strength uh, strength sports, um, we don't uh, we don't usually unless we're like like training in the heat or whatever, and like a gym without air conditioning. For the most part, when it comes to like a competition day, things like that. Um, we don't, uh, we don't necessarily have, have those, those kind of losses from, from like the sweating aspect or things like that. So mm-hmm. that's where, yeah, we might be able to get away with more of that, that one to two ratio. And like for like one packet, like one of these, would you say like, if you intake, if you take one packet of trials, make sure to at least drink half a gallon with it. Like, would that be something you, cause like, again, like I want to like know, uh, give people like a rough guideline because so they're not mm-hmm. intaking too much and they're not intaking yeah, no, too absolutely. little. So like somewhere like like a range, like what would be a, a range you would look at? Because I yeah. know it's not, it's not super clear, like, like you said. Uh, but, right. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. So if we do, um, so you said it's about uh, what two grams of, of sodium in a in a packet? Yeah. Yeah. So. If you um, say say you were trying to get back, like we'll we'll use your example. So you were trying to get back up, like those uh, what what seven, seven pounds? pounds or so, right? Let's say seven pounds. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So we're we're trying to get back up seven pounds. So um, well, I, I'm gonna just convert that because my mind works in like in kilos. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Like so three and a half kilos. Yeah. So Maybe. like, say we're like, under. like three and a half kilos, which, which, um, the way we, uh, we like sort of prescribe rehydration is, is like one, uh, like one kilo is equivalent to, uh, to one liter of, of fluid. And so, um, if we, if we're trying to make up like three, three and a half, three and a half kilos, that would be about, about three and a half liters. And so with that, if you, you know, if you had one, maybe, I mean, if it was possible, maybe like one and a half packets, uh, uh, should be okay for, for that amount. So it's like a, like a gram per liter, uh, like a gram of sodium per liter. That, That sounds, sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, it like, or a gram, no, a gram per every for every two ta- for every two pounds of body weight. Um, uh, let's see. Because like a kilo is about, uh, yeah, 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 kilo is about yeah. two, two, yeah, two point mm-hmm. two pounds. Um, so yeah, so then if we, uh, if we did that, that would yeah, that would work out to be to be about that, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, that sounds sounds reasonable. Okay, so that, that would be like a yeah, rough yeah. guideline yeah. of like how well, much you should be intaking. Maybe like uh, one gram of potassium for every kilo or for every two pounds. And um, is, that, is that what it was? Um, and yeah, know, it so, was half. It was one gram of sodium for every kilo. So for every two pounds mm-hmm. and maybe... One gram yeah. of potassium for every four pounds, or two kilos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds that sounds much better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So for, for someone who's losing about four pounds or two kilos, like you would recommend um, two, two grams of sodium uh, and one gram of potassium. So maybe one packet of a trioral for someone who's losing about four pounds who needs to kind of intake uh, four pounds worth of fluid. Um, and for someone who's trying to, like if you, you can use that and like if you use, use the math, yeah. Yeah, you do, do the math, math do the math from there. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so so that would be like the process of like just try to maybe start with some food, um, like so you can actually drink and drink more, and kind of monitor how much uh, electrolytes. Maybe look at maybe primarily look at the potas- potassium and sodium, and like use these guidelines of one gram of potassium for every two kilos or four pounds, and like maybe uh, two grams of sodium for every. Um, Two grams for every four pounds, right? Two kilos. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that would be a good guideline. And that's if you're primarily drinking water, like you'll mm-hmm. have, you can only, you can track your, like the packets, the charcoal tra- the packets. But if you're intaking, right. if you're having like a Pedialyte or a Gatorade, those should say also how much. Yeah, um, they, they tell you how much on the way. Yeah, you, you can do the math on those. Yeah. yeah. So I think like I was in like in the, in the right uh, range because like I was in taking one of these packets plus mm-hmm. the Pedialyte and Gatorade maybe have like half a packet worth of uh, potassium and, and sodium. So right. Maybe, yeah. Okay. So that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And um, from a, yeah. From a hydration standpoint, you know, you're, you're, you're good. If you, if you take into account that one to 2% leniency, yeah. yeah. you're probably okay. right on the money. And, and one other thing we talked about before, which was like a really good tip, uh, so like we we have you have we have two hours right to uh, get back to where we w- where we were before. Uh, mm-hmm. Is there? And we know how much we have to intake. Like we know like mm-hmm. how much food, we know how much fluids, uh, and we know the time frame. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, how fast would you recommend this person uh, spreads this? recon process like would you want them to intake like the for me like would i should i need do i need to intake the seven pounds within 15 minutes 30 minutes an hour or two hours or or is it going to make a difference as well yeah no that's a great question and yeah i think uh i think it can help you out by, by spacing it out a bit more um you know versus consuming it all at once just from a just from a retention perspective um if we if we overload the kidneys sort of all at once, then we're going to be more likely to, uh, 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 to pee that, that excess out more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we, when we sort of space it out a bit more, that's not to say we need to, you know, uh, drink just like, you know, just sip very minimally all the time, but maybe, um, rather than, than consuming it, like, you know, as quick as we can, uh, mm-hmm. try to try to space it out sort of more evenly, try to try to get majority of it in probably like, uh, more than like 30 minutes before we're going to, we're going to lift so that, and you know, any, any excess, um, uh, we're, uh, you know, peeing that out and not like having overly, uh, loading too much. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, kind of spacing it out more versus just having to, to drink it all at once. Cause, cause then that can also help with, you know, having just, just room in the stomach too, to, to eat your foods too, um, yeah. to, to help, uh, help with that. Yeah, so like maybe like within the first hour, if we have about let's say like an hour and a half to two hours, because usually you mm-hmm. don't have full two hours. Um, yeah, but 
And sometimes yeah, you have a little bit more warm-ups and stuff, yeah. Yeah, and sometimes you have a little bit more time depending on which fight you're in. Uh, yeah. But let's say like within like the first hour, you want to kind of get back to where you were, and you don't want it to be, you don't want it to be so fast. Like within like the fifteen, like the first fifteen minutes, like that will probably cause more. Uh, you start losing a little bit more, right? Yeah, and then probably more likely to cause more just like overall GI distress too uh, from mm-hmm. that large volume. Um, so yeah, I think what's in the first hour is reasonable. Okay, yeah, because nice. I've, I've heard also like with uh, like lighter weight females, um, they tend to like pee out more. Like whenever whenever they cut, then they kind of mm-hmm. try to rehydrate within like this first thirty minutes or maybe first yeah like first thirty to, to an hour. They start mm-hmm. using the bathroom a lot more. Uh, like I've heard of females kind of using the bathroom about like seven times at a mm-hmm. meet. Like in a, like in sure. a four hour meet. Um, mm-hmm. So, is there any tips for um, like so, like a like a light for a lighter weight female versus like a heavier weight male? Would the would the timing be a little bit different? Would you kind of choose different foods, uh, or like would you kind of recommend the same thing? Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, just for the. For the the female, definitely the uh, the volume is going to tend to uh, tend to be lower overall. Um, but you know that might be something to play around with in terms of like the just the rate of the rate of consumption too. So mm-hmm. um, trying to uh, to space it out more uh, more evenly over the course of that hour versus that large volume. Um, but I don't necessarily know if it would uh, if it would differ between like then and like. A, like the example we've been talking about, yeah. uh, like with the male, yeah, um, I think it would probably probably be pretty similar, but it's yeah, same um, concepts, yeah. But maybe with like a lighter weight female, a little bit smaller frame, maybe a smaller kidney as well. Can maybe like they need to uh, pace it a little bit slower. You would say, like, or not really. That doesn't really matter. Like, uh, the, the, like the how big the person is, does it play a factor? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, that that totally could. Like, yeah, if they're, um, yeah, if if they're, if they're, if they're kidney smaller to begin with, then yeah, probably you know consume less less fluid in each each sort of sort of dose um, throughout mm-hmm. that, that time period. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. Like, so I guess like the main idea is to kind of just if you have a problem with losing like all the like a lot of the fluids you're intaking especially like after, after a cut, like maybe like the, the spacing out would be like the first thing you would, you would do. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is, this is, I mean, I feel like we got like a good, yeah, like a good guideline for, for people like what to do, like after they kind of step on the scale uh, and like, they know how much, like how much weight they have to regain. Uh, now you have a guideline like, okay, like what foods to eat, what uh, fluids to intake, how much, uh, how much sodium and potassium you have to look at and like the time frame you want to intake this, uh, those, those foods and fluids. Oh, and like, um, so yeah, that, that gives people kind of like a good, like a step yeah, by starting step. Point. Yeah. yeah. Good step by step what to do. Yeah. And that's, and it's important to point out too, that like, that's kind of just like a starting point too. Like, of course it's gonna, gonna, uh, like you'll, you'll find like what works works best for you or, or doesn't work best for you. But like this kind of um, kind of tries to, to cover the bases um, as much as you can. Yeah, no, that, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. I yeah. guess let's, let's like, I mean, we'll take a 
because like it's it's been an hour. We'll talk. Let's talk a little bit more about your your own research and like what your what the future looks like for you. And oh, I sure. guess yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So so now I'm doing my my dissertation. So I'm looking more at um, hydration from like a health perspective. Um, so I'm looking at how does low like chronic low water intake how does that influence um, uh, cortisol levels. Um, so actually there's, um, some research that has found relationships between an increase in a hormone in the body, um, that actually it rises with dehydration. So it's called, uh, vasopressin or antidiuretic hormone. So when we don't, uh, don't consume much fluid, this hormone is actually elevated and actually, um, it helps to retain fluid. Mm-hmm. And so um, I'm looking at uh, sort of the the other health effects of, of chronic uh, elevations in this hormone. Um, and one of them that's been shown is actually vasopressin may, may increase cortisol levels. And then cortisol has um, been associated with, um, with different health conditions. It's, um, it can affect uh, blood glucose regulation um, and things like that. Um, so I'm sort of trying to to get more more detailed information um, from people by looking at their looking at their cortisol levels, looking at their fluid intake, um, and seeing okay how does um, how does this uh, chronic low water intake how does that influence someone's cortisol levels, and then how does this impact other other markers of health like their um, like glucose response, appetite hormones, things like that. Mm-hmm. And that that's more for like Gen Pop. Uh, mm-hmm. not, not really performance driven. Have you, yeah. have you, do you look in, is that, that's the only, the only research you're doing, right? That's the only research I'm, I'm doing currently. I'd love to in the, in the future though, kind of get back and, and incorporate some of the uh, performance side as well. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just alongside with the, with the health aspect. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Um, cause he said like, um, for, like you said, chronic, chronic, uh, like, I guess, like how, how long, how long would, would that, uh, like, would that mean, like, if you're chronically dehydrated, would that mean like you've been dehydrated for like a, a month or like, or. Yeah. So that's a great question. Um, so how I'm looking at, uh, for people in my study now, I'm sort of looking at like over the course of a month, like seeing what their, their fluid intake has been and mm-hmm. then sort of monitoring it for a month. Um, based on uh, like, I'll get like a, a self-reported sort of sur- survey measure of their, their fluid intake and then see, okay, what's their actual intake for, for this month. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's harder to, harder to get uh, longer term um, information um, on fluid intake. Um, but uh, yeah, there's been some, some studies that have, have looked at just uh just cross-sectionally like different, different age groups and looking at fluid intake and things like that and uh, correlate them with, with different disease states. Uh, but for my purposes, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of looking more of that, like sort of month or two time frame. Mm-hmm. Have you encountered a lot of limitations? Like, has it been difficult to find like the right people like for, for this study? Uh, or like, have you, uh, like what kind of limitations are you, are you working with? Like what's the, what, like what are the difficulties you're having to deal with doing this type of research? Yeah. So actually I've been surprised that it's been harder for me to get like the, the high category. So people drinking a lot of fluids harder than I, than I expected. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I'm actually getting a, a decent number of people from the, the lower group. So 
not consuming much. And then the, the middle group was pretty easy to, to recruit for. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, uh... I guess what's what does the future look like for you? Like from a piloting standpoint, like are you actually do you have a lot of time now to uh, like keep piloting for training, or like are you mainly focused on school? Like your research has your has yeah. your training taken a back seat? Yeah, so I think it took a back seat probably the the past couple months, but like I'll, I'll still go in and train just more so like to you know to have fun and stress relief things like that. I don't really, um, don't really have uh, a set meet specifically on the horizon, but I definitely, um, definitely want to compete in the future. Still, mm-hmm. um, there are some that I've I've seen next year that uh, I might consider that would that would take place like after I'm ideally um, done with data collection for my dissertation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll hopefully, fingers crossed, I'll, I'll finish that up soon, and then uh, then can get back back into a, into a meet. Cause I'd love to love to get back on the platform. Um, but otherwise now I'm, you know, applying for jobs and stuff too, which is, you know, stressful in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like, you'll be, when will you be done? When you'll, when will, are we going to be able to call you, uh, Dr. Mitch? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so goal is in the, in the spring. So yeah, I'm trying to graduate. If I, if I, collect all my data and then defend my dissertation in, in March. It's like March 15th is like the deadline for that. Uh, then I'm good to, to graduate in spring, but, but if not, then I, I could also graduate in summer too. Um, would be fine. Are you, are you excited? (laughs) I'm ready to, I'm ready to be done (laughs) to make actual money. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. I like that answer. (laughs) Once once you're done, will you like? Will you go back and do some some more research? Because like I, th- I feel like it's needed. Like people, uh, like people like you, kind of doing research that actually uh, actually helps. Like if like from a from a performance standpoint, is that oh, an yeah, interest no. of yours? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, I'd love to uh, love to go back and and do more of that kind of research. Um, you know, I'm, I'm applying to different, uh, like faculty positions at, at universities. So, um, hopefully if I got one of those, I'd be able to, to keep doing that kind of research. Cool, man. All um, right. Yeah. Do you have anything to add? No, that was pretty thorough. I liked, I, I learned quite a bit. I, you know, I, I understood some of it, but there was some stuff I was like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't know that rehydration kind of played this much of a factor into, yeah, strength training. So, I I got quite a bit from this. So, yeah, I feel like yeah. it's been it's been really helpful, and it kind of gives people uh, somewhat of a gives people like kind of like steps to follow. Like you just tell them what to do. Uh, like if you give them like hard guidelines to follow, they're more right. more willing to follow it than just like oh, because most drink, most of it you know? is just word of mouth or my coach says to do this and do that. You know, yeah, so yeah. this is like this is at least for someone who has no clue on where to start, mm-hmm. gives them a, a blueprint or a guideline and be like, okay, well, that that'll that works. Yeah, there's a lot of misinformation out there and like there isn't hard guidelines for people to kind of follow or at least like rough guidelines. It doesn't have to be hard guidelines. Like so, like a rough estimation of like what, how much you should intake, what kind of foods and fluids. Because um, like, yeah, like I've seen, you, you've been to a lot of meets, like you've seen, 
like the nightmares, like the horror stories. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It's like you giving people a little bit more information and like, uh, like the right way of doing this, because like, there isn't a lot of, like we talked about, there isn't a lot of information on this. There's a lot of information on how to cut, uh, but not really what to do after. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, I mean, this yeah. was, uh, so it's fun. Um, yeah. Maybe we'll also yeah, have you. It. Yeah, maybe yeah. we can have you back on too. Like that was, uh, maybe oh, we'll yes. talk about something Please. else. <laughs> well, that'd be awesome. Yeah, maybe yeah. we'll talk about your research once you've done like the results and the, what you uh, what you came up with. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, plug them. So uh, where can people yeah. find you? Yeah, we're, we're uh, kind of- you can I guess you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Zap Trainer. Uh, that's uh, pretty much it. Or you can find me in the lab uh, if you come to. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You, you're not super active on social media. Or on social media? No, not lately. I, I, yeah. I think I've probably post like once every three months or something right now. Well, yeah. I mean, if you've never met Mitch in real life, he's like the most cheerful like positive person uh after oh, i met you yeah, bro, I, I met you at nationals uh like i was like if i wasn't in a good mood like you would put me in a good mood you're just gonna so <laughs> yeah like i just love the energy like i just love talking to you uh so oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe hopefully we'll see you again uh oh for sure yeah all right take us out and not do the do the outro do it do it do it where do people yeah, find us yeah, so we can find us. Uh, you can find us on Chalk My Back on Instagram. You can uh, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, um, and whatever you can find podcasts on. Um, and yeah, give us a five star review. Just like Abe would say, like if not, if it's not a five star review, don't even bother. Yeah, don't, don't even bother. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't, don't, yeah. We, we, we don't want it. If it's not five star, don't even want it. But yeah, Come that's. On, uh, that's it. Yeah. All right. Please. Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs>